0: The main rule is, and uh, this is a, a very difficult uh, practice. A devotion is a practice. It's a, it's a, it's a state of mind, but it's a state of mind you have to practice mm-hmm. to get that to make that state of mind permanent. In other words, to get your love flowing permanently mm-hmm. to yourself. Uh, you need to practice if your love's not flowing to yourself all the time presently. Your your love is not gonna go to yourself unless you train it to go to yourself, because basically our love goes to objects, to situations, to people, to things. It doesn't go here, it goes outside. So the whole idea in bhakti yoga, the yoga of love, is to uh, change the direction of the mind so that it looks in and not out. It's very interesting that when you Attain inner vision, then you get outer vision. Then the outer world is included in the inner vision. But if you're looking at the outer world, you what? Uh, you miss the inner world, the world of love, the world of bhakti. So that and the basic discipline of bhakti yoga, the first first stage is. Uh, listening to listening to the philosophy of bhakti you have to know where you're going what the goal is what the destination is and you have to know how to get there and so the Vedanta makes it clear what the goal is, and what is the goal? goal is non-dual love. That's where you're going. That's the destination. Okay? <laughs> if, if you're doing a practice, if you're doing some work, spiritual work or otherwise, you're always moving toward a goal, aren't you? You're doing a work to gain a result, the, the result is your goal, whatever it is, isn't that right, is there every action that you do to obtain some result, you have to think about this, yeah, no, nobody does actions for no reason, do they? Do you do the actions for no reason at all? No. <laughs> I know you say, oh, I don't care about anything. I just do. I just do. No, you don't just do, honestly. You do for a result. Because the, the very fact that you act means that you want something. Unless, of course, you know that your nature is love. If you know that your nature is love, then you act, but you act happily. You don't act for happiness, you act happily. Because your goal has been, you've discovered, (coughs) I am a goal. I am what I want, I am what I'm seeking. You've discovered that. So then you act, but you don't act for a result, you act happily. But unless you're completely satisfied with yourself, in other words, unless you love yourself unconditionally, and and uh, as an individual, and you love the world unconditionally as it is, uh, then uh, you're pursuing some, you're pursuing love as an object, as a goal, non-dual love in this case. <laughs> we we don't need to pursue relationship love why why, why, don't, why don't we need to pursue relationship love because relationship love is conditional love isn't it it's dualistic love it's a transactional love and when you're in a transaction with Well, let's just keep it on the level of people now, okay? We'll just talk about people. But an object means anything. But when we're talking about objects, what what we mean now in this seminar is people. Although people is only one kind of object that you can love. Our basic emotional problems are all associated with our relationships with people, aren't they? Is that Isn't that where your emotional problems come from? Yeah, conflicts with people, different understandings or different feelings about people. And so we're going to explore that, this bhakti yoga, this yoga, bhakti yoga means to connect or to communicate. To touch, to join—that's the meaning of yoga. And uh, I, I'm kind of hesitating to talk talk about this. I've got to be very careful <laughs> what I say, huh? because because there's probably quite a few people here. I imagine most everybody here is uh, in the yoga world. Is that right? Huh? And and there are and we're not for the yoga world or against the yoga world. Understand? At all. We're not for it or against it. We are for it in some ways. We're against it in others and we're against it in some ways and we're for it in others. It's all a matter of understanding what yoga can do for you and what with reference to your goal of what? Non dual unconditional love. Is there anybody here who doesn't want to feel love for themselves and others in the world all the time? <laughs> I, I, I put all the time in there because we do want to feel love for others but only part- time, right? <laughs> Maybe we want to love ourselves full- time, but we don't necessarily want to love everybody else full time, do we? Is that right? Come on, let's be honest. you got this you have to be very honest here, okay? Don't you can't pretend. You can't fool yourself. People love to fool themselves. They love to delude themselves. You're either your own best friend or your own worst enemy, and you're your very your own best friend when you're totally honest with yourself. So, uh, and so we're going to put you in the hot seat. That means. You know, we're going to ask some embarrassing, difficult questions. In a friendly way. There's no judgments here, okay? No, we're not going to judge you. uh, Because if we're judging you unfairly, that's not non-dual love, is it? Well, we're just going to explore our, our emotional relationship to a the world and to ourselves, because that's all there is, isn't it? There's me, a conscious entity, conscious being, and and an existent conscious being, and uh, hopefully a loving conscious being. And then there's the world, isn't it right? The world means objects. And my life is what? It's nothing but a tran- transaction between what? Me, the subject, and the world, whatever it is, in this case, people, we'll just leave it on people, isn't it? Of course you interact with plants and animals and physical objects and situations, of course you do that. Maybe you don't love situations, too. That's just another thing they just, you know, if you find yourself in a in an uncomfortable hotel room. There's no people there, but it's kind of hard to love that uncomfortable. I, I was in one recently. They were fixing the hotel and the air conditioner wasn't working. So I was making this noise all the time. And I had a hard time loving the hotel. <laughs> 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 I understand? Uh, I managed quite all right because I got the hotel to change my room. <laughs> but we're always confronted with this conflict, with this suffering, with this unhappiness, according to our circumstances and the situation. Whether, no matter what kind of object is involved in in your my situation. So this uh, Vedanta and Vedanta uh, has a has is a hundred percent for the practices of yoga. Okay, we 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 encourage the practice of yoga. We uh, recommend the practice of yoga. but the philosophy of yoga we call it 's called a darshana the philosophy or the ideas of yoga are not suitable for attaining non dual love unfortunately <laughs> vedanta however uh, philosophically. <laughs> Makes it very clear what non-dual love is and how to gain it. <coughs> Dualistic love is I love, let's say, Is that Saraswati? I think, huh? Mm-hmm. That's the goddess of arts, music, literature, and arts. See, she's got a book in her hand too. That's the scripture, and, and this uh, vena here is uh, music. It's the song of God. She's playing the song. With God I means she loves God. Okay, so now, if I love Saraswati, uh, what's my relation? Am I the same as Saraswati, or yeah, am I non-separate from Saraswati, or am I uh, different from Saraswati? What's my What's my relationship? The same. Okay. It's the same. No different. It's different. This it? if I love Saraswati, and that's the word Saraswati means me, right? If uh, why do I love a, a deity? Why do I love a god, a personal god? Say say Saraswati. Sometimes it's good issue. Why do I? Love that person, that deity. What's, what's the real motivation? Because did you ever meet Saraswati anywhere? <laughs> huh? It's not a person, is it? So, what does it represent? This We're talking worship of forms. That's Dwaita. Du- That's called dualistic devotion. There's nothing wrong with it. Even Vedanta's dualistic devotion. Don't worry about it. But what does this word Saraswati and this symbol, what does it represent? Huh? Devotion. Well, devotion to what? Who's devoted to what? Devoted to God. Huh? She's devoted to God? But she's she thinks, only a she picture. The song of the Lord. She's only a symbol, isn't she? Isn't she only a symbol? So if she's a symbol, she can't be worshipping anything. But when I say Saraswati, I, I'm making the point that nobody ever met Saraswati, did they? Or Ganesha. Did anybody meet Ganesh? Everybody loves to love Ganesh, right? Is, we don't have Ganesh here. We got Rishis. Huh? Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Aren't those the three? Those are Rishis? I don't know. Yeah, those are Rishis. See there are books here? These are the holy books. Okay. Well, let's say you worship the Rishis. Uh, what are you worshiping? Did you ever see a Rishi? What, what does the oh. word Rishi stand for? It's a symbol for something. So is that, uh, it, all words point to objects, don't they? If I say, if I say an easel, th- uh, that word points to this. Then you know what an easel is. If you didn't know that this was an easel, you, you, you're ignorant of it. And I say easel and point, and then you know what it is. So when you say Saraswati, or Ganesh, or whatever, or even Vishnu Devananda, what does Vishnu Devananda mean? Did you ever meet Vishnu Devananda? That's not Vishnu Devananda sitting on the wall here. That's a picture of Vishnu Devananda, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's a picture. Well, what does it represent? Me. Does it represent you or does it represent some something else? The self? Huh? It Pardon? An aspect of the whole an yeah, aspect. Of, okay, alright, it represents an aspect of a whole. What else? Myself. Huh? Myself. Yourself? Mm. Uh and what is your relationship to yourself? Yeah. No relationship. Okay, that's what non-dual bhakti is. If, uh, if you uh, That's correct. If you understand uh, that that's a symbol of yourself, uh, then what? Then then you're only worshipping yourself when you worship that symbol. And that's called non-dual bhakti, isn't it? But if you think that Saraswati is a god or a goddess in some other dimension that you can't see, floating around with a vena, <laughs> uh, making music, huh? Uh, then, okay, that's fair too. That's fine. Then then what, who is it that's worshiping that Saraswati? And what's their relationship? Mm-hmm. Huh? That, huh what's your relationship to that Saraswati that goddess Saraswati are you Saraswati you can't say you are because Saraswati's in another dimension in the heaven somewhere else playing in music, divine music celestial music Jesus wrote, celestial musicians. So so the question is you know is what is my relationship to my the objects that I love now yoga means that the object that you love is something you're trying to gain you want to gain that object yoga means property it means to get to gain to connect to grab to Communicate with. I want to touch that object. That's what, that's the meaning of yoga. Uh, how do you touch Saraswati, a form? How do you touch? How do you touch a symbol? Only in my mind. In your mind. Well, that's where you touch everything. You, you actually can't. There's no physical touching. Huh? Yeah, it, yeah. In your mind, you touch them. But what? When you touch it, what? What does that thought, that Saraswati thought, what does it invoke? Invoke means what experience do you get when you touch that thought? Love. To make something clear. Love. Yeah, maybe to make something clear. So much, uh, or love. Did somebody say love? Love. love okay let's let's try an easier one okay let's try i can see you're having a problem with this let's try an easier one let's try a baby okay do you ever see the pictures of baby krishna huh or baby jesus why do they have baby jesus or baby krishna or baby shiva why do people worship babies it's well, innocence, uh, easy. it's easier. purity, yeah. it's easy, yeah, purity, and, and what, what? So, so that's right. So, and, and what? And beauty, purity, what? And love, isn't it? When you think of a baby, huh? You feel love, don't you? You don't even have to have a baby present to feel the love, do you? You just have to think the baby thought, and what does the baby thought do? it puts you in contact with the love that you are because the baby is a symbol or an embodiment of your own love so really when you're worshipping a symbol or a form you're actually worshipping yourself but you don't know it you think the baby is making you happy you think the happiness is coming from the baby because it's so cute and warm and oh, it's so soft and pure and innocent and it's so beautiful, isn't it? Aren't, aren't babies beautiful? I mean, not always, but it? Huh? because that symbol uh, touches—in other words, it, it, it invokes. The word is invocation. It, it opens up a place in you that allows the love that you are to what? To bathe that symbol in love or beauty or truth, whatever it is. You can say beauty or light, clarity. Somebody say clarity. That's a good one. The Rishis represent the clarity of knowledge. And what is the knowledge? Where are we going with this Knowledge. The knowledge is, I am love. That, huh? Yes, I'm also love. Pardon? I'm also love. Not also, I am love. There's no also. <laughs> 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 if there's an also, then that's dualistic love, isn't it? I am love, and love is all there is. You know that Be- uh, Beatles song? Love is all there is love is all there is love is all there is. Huh? That's that's what the yoga of love is. that's the the statement that we're going to have to realize and to actualize. Cuz if love is all there is that means I love, doesn't it? Cuz all all there is means what? Me consciousness the subject and all the objects in existence. That's all there is, isn't it? All there is, is me, the conscious, awareful subject, and what? And billions of objects. There's a whole universe of objects. And so what is that statement? They're all love. They're only love. Now, can you see what see what the benefit of this teaching is? What what's the benefit of this teaching? We need to tell you that's our job, because you're not going to seek something unless you know what the benefit is, are you? You're not going to chase an object unless you know there's some benefit. You just do wander around and and hope that some object comes to you and says, I'm the benefit? <laughs> no object is going to come and tell you it's uh, it's the benefit, why not? Because all the objects are unconscious, they're inert, they're not capable of, they're not conscious. I'm the only conscious entity. So the objects can't tell you anything. Can they? So, uh, all there is means what? The objects are love, the unconscious objects, the symbols, and the material objects are love, and I am love. So that, now that's going to be hard to understand, isn't it? This this is why for Vedanta you need a guru, because that's a difficult equation to understand. Now, it may not be so difficult to intellectually understand it, but what? To actualize that knowledge in your life so that what? You get the benefit. What's the benefit? No more conflict. No No more conflict. Why, Why won't there be any conflict if you understand that everything is love? All there is is love. Why will not there be conflict? because you love yourself right there's only love because there's only love and there's nobody else to have a conflict with is there in other words what you actually love when you love an object is you love love and any object that invokes love just what is a statement that it's all love temporarily but if you're Feeling of love comes in the presence of an object or intensifies in the presence of an object, then what happens? Yeah, it'll go. That's what happens to love. That's called conditional love. It's love that's subject to conditions. So it comes and goes. Now that's a big problem. Why is that a big problem? Because love is so attractive and so beautiful, and so satisfied, and so fill, fulfilling that the moment it goes, what do I feel? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> depressed, unhappy, angry. Huh? Mm-hmm. Immediately, I'm a whole raft, raft of emotions huh? rising in my mind, yeah? and I'm unhappy, and then what do I have to do? I have to go back and try to get get another object that makes me feel that way until I have extracted all the love from that object, which there isn't any object. In other words, it's just like taking a pill. You know, the first time you smoke a joint, you get really high, but the second joint, you get high but not quite so high, and after the fifth joint, you don't get high at all, do you? Huh? You guys, but so huh? You guys spoke smoke two joys then. They spoke two joys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the same time. Yeah. yeah, No. It doesn't work that way. All objects, what? They they have what's the what's the word for that? Uh, diminishing return. Huh? Diminishing return. Yeah, the law of diminishing utility or your diminishing returns. Huh? The more you use, the more you contact an object, the less power it has to produce that effect on you. You smoke a cigarette, it's so good. The first time I smoked a cigarette, it was like, oh my God. That was the most blissful, one of the most blissful experiences of my life. I was 14, I I, I didn't know there was so much pleasure. By the time I was 25, the cigarettes were smoking me. I was a chain smoker and I was getting no pleasure out of it at all. So what? So the joy was in the cigarette? The joy was in the object. This is why people who chant mantras, for instance, have to keep chanting different mantras. Because a mantra works for a while. They worship one god, and that works for a while, and then it starts to wear off, and then they try to find another god or another deity to worship that gives them a charge, and then after they worship that for a while, then they have to keep hopping around. That's why in India they got 10,000 gods because you can never worship them all so you can keep <laughs> them no that's not really the reason, <laughs> the, really reason that, the reason they have so many gods in India is because why because everything is a symbol of God and, and you have infinite numbers of types of human minds so you can choose any object to worship that you like because they're all what they're all God Appearing as what? As objects. <clears throat> so what we're going to uh, investigate here is, is is our relationship to our feelings, our emotions. Because our emotions are love, but love is not an emotion. Okay? Our, our emotions are love, but... Including hate and anger; those are love, but love is not an emotion. So we're going to look at this whole range of feelings and, and emotions, and relate it to what to our understanding, because most of the texts there's there are two there are two what we call philosophies in India. There's the yoga, darshana means a philosophy. So there's the yoga philosophy, yoga darshana, and there's the Vedanta darshana, okay? Vedanta philosophy. And most of the literature in the yoga philosophy, almost all of it, is what? Is dualistic. It says, and this is what duality means. Okay, it says that me, the devotee, I'm a devotee. You're all. Everybody's a devotee. Everybody's devoted to something. So you know, every human being is a devotee. We're going to explore that as we go. You're always devoted to something. You guys are sitting here. Why are you devoted? What? Why are you devoted to now? Knowing about love, isn't it? Yeah. You're devoted to the knowledge of love. You wanna know what the hell this non-dual love is, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't choose this seminar. You take the Kundalini seminar, or the Hatha Yoga seminar, or or some other seminar, who knows? Or the Knowledge Yoga seminar. Or the Meditation seminar, because you love meditation. It's all, huh? So you you wanna know what love is. Now du- dualistic devotion dualistic devotion okay means what? That the subject, the devotee, and the object are different. Most most religions, huh? Most religions, in fact I don't know any that aren't are are dualistic, aren't they? God, the God that is worshipped is what? A remote God means it's not a God that's present. It's a God that's what? Well, let's say, let's just take Christianity, for example. It's a God in heaven. They got a word for heaven. Heaven is not here. Heaven is somewhere else. So this God that creates the world and so forth and so on is not sitting right here, so it's not available for direct appreciation. It's only available elsewhere. And that God that's wherever it is, and it could be any, all religions are this way. Their, their God is, is never present. Although there's certain in Africa, you have some animistic <clears throat> religions which say that God is is all the living creatures that are present. There's the spirit in all those living creatures, and so that's a much more present and available, experiential kind of concept of God than the idea. Uh, e- even though it's still dualistic, but uh, so. So that God is somewhere else, and where am I? I'm here. (laughs) Now, that's going to necessitate yoga, isn't it? Yoga means an action. Yoga is for actors, for doers. Yoga is about doing things, about gaining things, about doing actions to gain results. That's what yoga, yoga is. So how am I going to, how am I going to get to God if God is not here? (coughs) How am I going to get there if it's not here? I know, I understand. In religions, they don't tell you this. Well, they tell you, but they've got a funny story about it. Huh? They, then this is one of the stories there are other other stories but they all boil down to the same story and that is what well you just have to suffer here and then when you die if you've been a good person here you go to heaven and there you meet God right you've heard that story is that a, is that a good is that a attractive story to you? <laughs> It's, it, there's, billion, there's, a couple, there's at least a billion people, maybe more, that believe that. It's enough for them. That's what we call duality. It's Dwaita Bhakti. Bhakti means worship. That's good. It's fine. Nothing wrong with it. We're not condemning those people. There's no no judgment about it. We're just trying to understand here. And Now we're looking down on religion. In fact, we're going to teach here. We're going to teach what? What Vedic religion is. We're going to teach it. Well, tomorrow we'll explain it. Slowly we'll explain it. Because we got we got some time now, don't we? We have four days. And it seems we've got an evening class too, do we? Yeah. Gee, you're working me hard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to just do two and then we're going out and party. <laughs> So we're going to have to party in the evening too. We're going to have to party with God. So we got lots of time here to what? Uh, to explore this topic. Understand? And and the way it works, the discipline that you have, this yoga, this this job, your job is to just just hear what I say and not argue with me in your mind. Okay? Now you can argue later. We'll we'll have Q and A will we'll, huh? you can argue you can fight with me so it's all right be better have your arguments all pretty well laid out because know or, or at least be have the karma yoga attitude and be expect expect you might lose because so far I haven't been defeated in an argument on this topic um, my wife defeats me on other topics but <laughs> but <laughs> on the topic of God no <coughs> no you can you can argue you're going to argue because w- w- this is a provocative teaching huh? Th- this is not huh? isn't it provocative we're, we're making statements that don't make some, a lot of sense God is everything and you're always experiencing God and God is here and now Isn't that kind of a radical sort of statement to be making? That's not normally what I think, is it? That's not normal. That's quite a radical statement to make. So, So you're going to be irritated, maybe. And that's fine. But think about it, save your arguments, and then we can argue later. But the best thing to do is just listen carefully, because... We will solve most of those questions that we provoke as we go along in the teaching. And, and if, if you if you didn't understand the answer, we, we, we create the question and then we give the answer. Now, but in between the question and the answer, there's a, a logical sequence of knowledge that needs to be understood by you. If you're going to accept the Conclusion. Understand? So your job is to listen without prejudice until you're really clear that you've heard the whole idea and then you can argue with it, either in your own mind or you can raise your hand and and I can help you to understand. I can help you to see where you need to work in your understanding. Because the scripture is never wrong. <laughs> you're never arguing with me, you're always arguing with the scripture, and the scripture is never wrong. That's why the scripture it hasn't changed for like thousands of years. This is a Purana. Purana means the most ancient scripture, and the scripture hasn't changed for thousands of years. The reason it hasn't changed is because it's always right. But it's okay if you don't understand it. That's my job. My job is to help you to reconcile your belief about yourself and the world and God with the scripture's statement about what God and the self and the world is. So so that you can come together with this and gain that non-dual vision, that non-dual love that is the fruit, the result of inquiry. So we're making an inquiry into love, into God. That's what we're doing. That's our that's our brief here. Okay. Now, the, the 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 yoga darshana, the yoga philosophy, is is absolutely essential for understanding this non-dual topic. Why? Because unless you're doing your yoga, you're, you're, you're going to have psychological issues that will prevent you, in other words, emotions and feelings and attachment to certain beliefs and opinions that will prevent you from what? Appreciating the fact that, you, that everything is love and that you're non-separate from everything that is. So, and you're not going to understand that unless you do yoga. So, you need to practice yoga. Now, what yoga are we talking about? We're talking yoga, chitta vritti niroda. You know, Patanjali yoga? Mm-hmm. How many of you know Patanjali, heard Patanjali yoga? Yeah. Patanjali yoga is chitta vritti niroda. What does chitta vritti nirodha mean? It means getting rid of your hang ups. <laughs> <laughs> Very simple. Mm-hmm. That's a big fancy Sanskrit term, but what it means, the chitta vrittis are what? Chitta is your mind, your emotions, (coughs) and the vrittis are the thoughts, the feelings in your mind and emotions, and then nirota means uh, removing, erasing, neutralizing those feelings and emotions that are what? That are disturbing your mind. There are certain feelings and emotions which what? Integrate and harmonize your mind and those emotions you don't have to worry about because they don't disturb your mind. It's only a mind that's disturbed by what negative vrittis, uh, negative energy or negative views that cannot understand clearly. Because when you're emotional you misinterpret what's being said and you don't gain knowledge and even if you gain knowledge you'll lose it when your mind gets emotional because what you will do, the emotion will distort the knowledge for you and you'll believe something that's not true thinking that it's true that's the worst thing Thinking that a piece of ignorance is the truth is the worst thing you can do. That's terribly, terribly frustrating. So, so yoga is absolutely essential for what? For gaining freedom and non-dual love. Now what does is, what is freedom and non-dual love have to do? What does freedom have to do with non-dual love? Are they two different things? Why why do they have two, No, they're not two different things, but you might need an explanation for that, right? Freedom means what? Limitless. Limitless means what? Not modified by what happens. Not changed by what happens. Not limited by what happens. Is your love? Is your love for yourself limited by what you think and feel and experience? Some people say no. That's good. That means what? That means their love is non-dual, is unconditional. It's unaffected by what? By what happens? That's what freedom means. It's free of what's happening. But if your love and you, if your love for yourself or the world huh, is changed by what happens, yes. huh? then what? Then you're not free, are you? No, then you, huh? no. Then that's a conditional, and your love is conditioned by what happens. Think about this problem. Because what we're saying, what Vedanta says, what this scripture says, I'm just giving you kind of the an introduction and in the big picture. We're, we're going to get into the details uh, tomorrow. Uh, is that, is that th- this, this love that we're talking about is always present and is your nature and is what? Freedom from what? dependence on an object for love so what means what I can love myself when I have no money in the bank can can you love yourself when you have no money in the bank do you still love yourself as much when you're broke Huh? can you love yourself when you don't have a, a job Huh? Or do you feel like a failure? Do you feel like a loser? (laughs) Huh? Because you, huh? Think about it now. This is serious. Hmm? How is it? Huh? What, what do you, what? Or, okay, if you don't have a relationship, (laughs) huh? Let's do relationships. Huh? Uh, Okay, a a, a passionate love relationship. (laughs) Let's make it even more juicy. How do you feel uh, if you see somebody in love, two people in love, and they're just all over each other? You know how that is? How do you feel, and you don't have it when you see it? Indifferent? (laughs) Indifferent? (laughs) <laughs> if you're indifferent you—I uh, well, mean, there may be reasons for your indifference <laughs> you, you may be an enlightened person or you may be just a, a cynical dull person <laughs> we don't know you only, only you know that think about it how do I feel So, we're going to ask, do I need an object to love? And if I do, what kind of object is useful for what? For cultivating love. Cultivating love means making love grow. Because spiritual growth is a growth in love. The spiritual path is a path of love. From the beginning to the end, it's a path of love. And it's a growth in love. It's a it's a continual expansion of love to include everything from uh, from just love of my own personal self to love of everything. It's a growth. So we have to explore at every stage what it is and how it works and what you can do uh, to in- enhance your love. Okay. Because uh, there's nobody that doesn't have love. Why is that? Why is that? It's your nature. Yeah, it's love. your nature. It's your nature. It's that the, the love is the nature of the self. There's only one self. There's only one self. Right now, there's a self here speaking through this body, and there's a, one self there listening through all those minds, bodies over there. It's the same self that's speaking here, it's listening there. There's only one self. And that self is nature, is love. Is that your understanding? Is that a daily understanding? So that when you when you function in the world, what? Everything goes smoothly and harmoniously and happily? Or do you huh? Because if if it is your understanding, then everything goes smoothly and harmoniously and happily. Because everybody that contacts you feel that they're contacting themselves. And, and the love in you huh, invokes the love in them and they appreciate that and they're happy to serve you. Just like you're happy to serve them. Love is service. And any kind of differences are, are resolved in that love. Understand. If it isn't, then what? Then the differences what? Create a continual what? Irritation in your mind continual suffering in your mind we call that suffering because you're seeing people differently what are you actually seeing when you're seeing differences there you're you're looking at their conditioning you're not looking at the one who's conditioning Christ said, Hate the sin, not the sinner. Why did, why did why did Lord Jesus say that? Hate the sin, not the sinner. They can't help it. Huh? They cannot help it. They, and, and, they can't help. They, the, 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 the sinner can't, huh? can't help it. But the sinner's nature is love also, isn't it? So there's no sinners here. Everyone is just as loved, but what? Because for lack of understanding of that fact, then what? They do actions that are not in harmony with their nature. And unknowingly, they think they're separate people and that, 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 uh, that life is a is a battle for gaining things and that things can be lost. And they're looking at people as a competitors. It's not... Huh? As adversaries and competitors, they're comparing themselves to the other people and trying to determine. So, they their their viewpoint, huh, is producing all kinds of suffering. Now, if I love me a hundred percent, and you're me, then I love you a hundred percent, don't I? If you know that. See? There's nothing you can do about it. It's actually a fact. You are me and I'm you. There's no difference. But knowing it is all that matters. The fact is there's no difference between you and me. On on the conditioning level, there's differences, aren't there? I'm a man. You're a woman. I'm, oh, I'm 80 years old. You're whatever you are. Whatever it is. i got Paul's teeth, you probably don't. <laughs> There's differences. I have a certain personality. Your personality may be different. There's differences. Now, am I focusing on, on the identity that we have, or am I focusing on the difference, the differences? What am I looking at? This is the issue. And if I'm looking at the differences, why? Why am I trying to make differences the same? Why am I working to make differences the same rather than just understanding that differences are not real? If you understand that differences are not real, they no longer affect you. But when you see somebody who thinks differently from you or behaves differently from you, what do you want? You either want them to, you want them to change, don't you? Huh? Or you want them to go away. So the reminder, huh? So, so, so the feeling of differences goes away. This is duality. You're comparing. Do you compare yourself to other people? Huh? Do you? Do you look. Oh, she's more beautiful. Oh, he's more rich. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh, he's more spiritual. Or he's or she's more this. Or she's more loving than me. Do you? Do you do this? Do you find? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you compare yourself with yourself? Do you judge yourself with what you could be rather than what you are? Yeah, you know, any it's anything's possible. Do you think you're better than you were before, or do you think you're worse than you before? You see the comparison. We call it masaria, and that comparison leads to what? Competition, conflict, and so forth. It leads to anger. Then it leads to hatred. Then it leads to delusion, and so forth, and so on. So what is my basic vision? What is my basic understanding? Is everything different from me or is everything the same as as me? Are we made of the same substance? (coughs) We're not trying to erase differences. We're not trying to remove differences because differences exist. We're trying to find a place in ourself that accommodates differences. <coughs> that doesn't allow the, different, the differences between us right, affect our contact, our, our, our transaction with each other. So that we transact love, we transact non-duality rather than what? We transact <laughs> duality this is a challenge this is is a big challenge (coughs) it's not easy it's going to take a lot of commitment a lot of devotion (coughs) excuse me (coughs) I got some kind of bug Uh, no it's it's a (coughs) Okay. I pick up some water. Okay. Excuse me. Now this God business is is the essence of this teaching, okay? How to relate to God, what God is, and what a devotee is. And we provisionally, Vedanta, we provisionally accept duality. Provisionally means we're going to eventually remove duality, but we can't just remove duality immediately. That would be nice. It would be nice if we could just, in five minutes, take away all your duality, and then you'd be happy, wouldn't it, wouldn't you? Uh, like driving up to the fast-food window at McDonald's. You know? <laughs> what do you want? I want a non-dual burger. <laughs> and and then, then you drive up, and like three minutes later, they give you the non-dual burger from the, through the window. Uh, You know, you you can't order up a non-dual burger right away. You have to take a dualistic burger. (laughs) So So we we accept that we're in duality. Okay? We accept that, that there's a part of us that thinks that the world's different from us. That believes that differences are real. We accept that. You know, in the modern spiritual world they don't like that. They don't want to they don't want to analyze duality at all. Understand? Well what do they tell you? There's no duality. There's no world. There's no ego. There's no teaching. There's no guru. It's all just consciousness awareness and leave it at that. And that's a pretty frustrating message, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty painful, frustrating message because I'm firmly situated in duality here, huh? And 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 there doesn't seem to be a rocket ship that'll just take me to non-duality over you know instantly. Even even if I get my kundalini going and can blow up blast myself into some transcendental state, I'm going to come down again. My rocket's going to come down again. Because anything that goes up is going to come down. Isn't it? So there's no quick fix here. (laughs) Don't expect a quick fix. Thank you, Beta Martin. Don't expect a quick fix. It's going to be work. I'm going to work you guys hard. Because I'm working hard. I'm going to make you think. Okay? That's, that's my job, is to make you think, and to learn how to think huh, non-dually. But well, we have to start from where we are, which is dualistic thinking, subject and object, differences. We have to incorporate differences. Some guy just wrote me an email, I, I uh, posted a video on uh, YouTube. You know, and and he he didn't like the idea of God. He said, well, where's the non-duality there? Huh? He he wants to argue with me. I still, I'll I'll argue with him, but I'm too busy this week, so he'll have to wait for a week. There's, non-duality isn't in contract with duality. You can keep your duality. Understand? Huh? You can keep it quite all right. Why? Because it doesn't conflict with non duality. When you understand what non duality is, then what? Duality is not a bother. Because they're in different orders of the one reality. It's like, does a dream actually, con- if you have a dream, does that actually contradict what you experience when you wake up? Huh? It does. You, you mean you're a different person when you wake up after you had a dream? No. You understand what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean because uh, the dream you and the and the and the waking you are two different people, aren't they? It doesn't look like it, maybe. But say I got mad at my wife and I strangled my wife. And, and then, I when I woke up, I I went to the police station. I felt guilty. And I went to the police station. I said, uh, I'd like to please arrest me, put me in jail. I, uh, they said, What for, sir? What was your crime? I said, I strangled my wife. And they said, Oh, well, very good. Where's the body? Show us the body. And I said, In the dream. <laughs> They said, oh, never mind, it's okay. Uh, She can be dead in the dream because we can't put you in jail in this state. What? Because why? We need a body. So was there actually any contradiction between the the death in the dream and my wife who was sleeping in bed next to me? No. (laughs) My wife is alive there next to me and I'm dreaming what? that I strangled her. Where's the contradiction? There's no contradiction. So there's There's no contradiction between duality and non-duality either. Why? Because what happens in this world doesn't affect what? The self. My nature is still love when what? When my ego is having a fight, isn't it? <laughs> huh? So non duality and duality are not opposites. If they're opposites, then we have a problem, don't we? Then when I'm when I'm having duality, I don't have non duality, and when I have non duality, I don't have duality. But it's not my experience, is it? Because my nature is love, whether I'm having a fight or not. Isn't it? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, of course it is. So you, when we say my nature is love, what do we mean? Maybe that's a problem. I can see some of you are having a little problem with difficulty understanding this. When we say my nature is love, what do we mean? My existence. My existence. My consciousness. Those three words are synonyms. My consciousness equals my existence equals love. Sat Chit Ananda. How many have heard the word Sat Chit Ananda? Everybody. A lot of people. Sat means what? What exists. That's my, the self, yourself is Sat. What exists? It's Chit which is consciousness so existence and consciousness are the same and it's anandam means what? love, bliss, fullness limitlessness, complete all three of those are equal they're not three different things because there's only one cell isn't there? Nobody argued when I said there's only one self. Did they? I don't recall an argument. You seem to accept that. If there's only one self, then what? It can't be sat, chit, and ananda, can't be three different things, can they? So my love is my existence. My existence means what? love is existence and existence is love and existence is consciousness we're looking at it through the love filter but what that's maybe difficult for you because and why is it difficult this I'm guessing now me make it a guess because you think love's a feeling is that right huh is that why it's difficult to understand what I'm saying Because you think love is a feeling. Well, it is feeling, but it's not a feeling. What is the feeling of love? (coughs) Being. What does it feel like to be? Huh? Is that right? Mm-hmm. You okay, is there anybody here doesn't exist? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, everybody, everybody I think everybody agrees they, they exist, don't they? Now, do you want to die tomorrow? How many wanna to die tomorrow? <coughs> or or in five minutes after the you couldn't die after this. That's all. <laughs> how, many, how many want to die tomorrow? <clears throat> Nobody's raising their hands. Why not? Because never born. <laughs> <Bad>. <laughs> but but that, that's, a, that's a negative reason. But the positive reason is what? Because I love being. <clears throat> I love existing. Don't I? Now, why do I love existing? If you because if you die, you're going to not exist, right? And you think if you die, you're going to not exist, and that's why you don't want to die. And the reason you don't want to not exist is what? It's great to exist. (laughs) There's nothing you love more than what than existing than being. Is there being here? Not here in this room. I mean here. <laughs> here, I'm, here doesn't mean there's a there. There's no there for this here. Understand? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. So this love we're talking about is not a feeling. It's just your being. And why do you love your being so much? Because your being is love. In other words, as I said earlier, you love love. It's love you love. You love the objects because the objects, whatever objects you love, because those objects put you in touch with the love that you are, that the isness that you are. You don't love the object for its sake. You love the object for your sake. Awesome. Huh? Is that right? It says in the scripture, you don't, the husband doesn't love the wife for the sake of the wife. The husband loves the wife for his own sake. The wife doesn't love the husband for the husband's sake. The wife loves the husband for the wife's sake. You don't love your kids for your kids' sake. You love them for your sake. Because when your kids start misbehaving, you don't like them. Isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You wish they were somebody else's kids. So you are the sole object of your love, always. And that love is the fact that you just exist, that you just be. That's why anandam, anandam means bliss or love, means what? Is the same as your existence. That's the feeling. Now, what does it feel like to be? Well, <laughs> it definitely feels great, but can you describe it? You can't describe it, can you? It's indescribable. Because it's beyond words. But just because it's beyond words doesn't mean it doesn't exist, does it? Does love, can you tell what love is? (coughs) Can you say what love is? I've been having a discussion the last couple of days with a friend about the meaning of the word love. What is love? Now, obviously, if we're talking about love, there must be a thing called love, right? Because you don't have a word for something that doesn't exist, do you? Do you have a word for something that doesn't exist? No, there's no word for something that doesn't exist. So there is a thing called love, but can you say, does the word tell you what love is? Does that picture tell you what? Swami Vishnu Devananda is mm-hmm. no. Huh? It doesn't. Doesn't. There's no way to describe what Swami Vishnu Devananda is. And of course, you know Vishnu, Swami Vishnu Devananda. And there's no way to describe love unless you know you are love. And how do you know you are love? You know it by knowing your existence. You know it by knowing your consciousness. Your consciousness is your love, is your existence. Sat equals Chit equals Ananda. Sat, Chit, Ananda. They're all equals. Why is consciousness equal to existence? <coughs> Do you, okay, I'll give you, tell you why. I know this is kind of rocket science, and if you don't, not get in it, it's Okay. We'll we'll try to help explain that. But our teaching is, is well, first we explain the big picture, and then we come down and work it all out. So we'll get back to it if you're having a hard time with it. But let me ask you this. Do you exist unless you know you exist? Let's say, huh? Do you exist if you don't know you exist? Think about it. Yes or no? Yes. No. Oh. Somebody say yes. <laughs> I said yes. Okay. All right. If you say yes, well, how do you know you exist if you, if you don't know you exist? How you know? How do you know you don't exist unless you exist? Let's say you don't exist. You can't say that, huh? You can't say that. You can't say it, you, huh? If you say I exist, you know you exist, isn't it? Is that right? As a baby. No. Any? any yeah. As a as, as a person, did anybody ever ask you if you exist? As I was a baby, no. <laughs> Since you were a baby, nobody did. Did they? Nobody ever asked anybody if they exist, did they? Does anybody in this room ever get asked if they exist? <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh, why not? No, no, think about it. It's not a joke. Okay, that's actually, if you actually think about it. This is a... Uh. Only if they can't see me. If they never met me, they just heard about me. If they never met you, I never met you, but I can see that you exist. Yeah, but because you can see me. But if you can't see me, you don't know if I exist. You know what I mean? Oh, you mean your body? Yes. Oh, is that you? <laughs> 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 My <opinion> is <laughs> oh yeah, well, I didn't mean the body. <laughs> but okay, the body, even the body. You, can you know you have a body? Can, can you? Does your body exist on the, uh, without knowing you exist? In other words. Do you have a body unless you know you have a body? Now I have a body because I can see it and touch it. Yeah, but feeling and touching is knowledge, isn't it? Well, but well, however, you it doesn't matter how you get your knowledge. But do you have a body unless you know you have a body? No, you don't, do you? I understand, I understand. Okay, now let me ask you this. Can you, can you know that you have a body unless you're consciousness? Unless you're conscious? Can you? No. No, you can't, can you? Because to know, you need consciousness. You, you ask yourself, if you say, I have a body, that's knowledge, isn't it? I have a body, you got that knowledge. You touch yourself and you say, I have a body. So, so that's knowledge. Now, did that knowledge tell you that you have a body? The knowledge didn't tell you anything, did it? Because knowledge isn't conscious, is it? Is it? Knowledge didn't tell, huh? Knowledge is inert. It's just like a chair. I know that I have a body. I know what knowledge is and I know what, and the knowledge that my body, the existence of my body depends upon knowing that I have a body. Okay? Maybe I'm working you guys too hard, but let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now, now, now this is the next point. Okay? Try to follow this. <clears throat> can you know that you have a body unless you exist? Huh? <clears throat> yeah. No, you can't, can you? So what? So is your existence different from your consciousness? No. It's not, isn't it? Because I can't know unless I exist, and I can't exist unless I know, can I? What came first, the chicken or the egg? (laughs) It's the same logic, okay? Did the chicken come first or or the egg come first? There's no first, is there? Where you have a chicken, you have an egg, and where you have an egg, you have a chicken. Now, where you have existence, you have consciousness, and where you have consciousness, you have existence, and where you have consciousness and existence, you have love. Because all three are what? Synonyms. Now, this self, this love that I am, can't is never an object. This is why when you're seeking for love in people or in objects, what? You're not going to find it because the objects don't have any love. (laughs) All the love's in you. You are the love. Understand? You're looking for an outside, huh? The object, you are the love. And you want it from an object and an object doesn't know Huh? Who you are, does it? Does your body know who you are? Does your mind know who you are? No. They're just inert objects for gaining knowledge. But they don't know anything. They're just instruments for gaining knowledge. The body and the mind. Emotions and so forth and so on. Think about it. So this, this love is not a feeling. Love is me. Now, when am I not present? <laughs> huh? Let's get the right me. Let's get the right I. When is this I, this existent, conscious huh, love, when is it not present? It's never not present. means it's always present. Why? Because I'm always present. I, love, I, existence, I, consciousness, whatever word, you can use whatever word you want. I'm always present. And is there anything other than me No. Yeah, the answer is no. Uh, okay, we have, maybe we have to work through this because I can see people are having some problem with this. Are there two existences? Huh? Is there any time when existence doesn't exist? Huh? Huh? There can't be a time when existence doesn't exist, can it? Because existence wasn't born. Existence is eternal, huh? And there's now two. If we were two existences, then what? Then we could say existence two would have an impact on existence one, and then we wouldn't know what, it, whether existence one was was true, re, real, or existence two was real. Would we? Now, one of them would qualify the other one, wouldn't it? And then we'd have a huge problem. It's like like the woman who told me she loved me, and then she told me she didn't love me. Then I said, well, okay, that's good, but I'd like to know, which one are you? Are you the one that doesn't love me, or are you the one that does love me? Because I'm confused. Because I don't see two people here. I just see one conscious being here saying, I love you here and I don't love you now. It's the same person said I don't love you that said I did love you. So I want to know which one are you because I don't see two. Mm -hmm. So do you see two existences? Do you see two consciousnesses? Mm -hmm. Hmm? Is your your consciousness different from my consciousness? Well, it could be, if what? Let's say you say your consciousness is different from my consciousness, your love is different from my love, your existence is different from my existence. What would make that statement true? Yeah. Yeah, if, if if you're the body or I'm the body, then what? Then obviously your consciousness is different from mine, your love is different from mine, your existence is different from mine. Then what? Then my consciousness and my existence and my love belong to the body, don't they? And your existence and your consciousness belong to the body, don't they? But is that right? Huh? In other words... Can love or existence or consciousness, however you, whatever word you want, can those be born out of matter? Because the body's matter, isn't it? Can you get love out of a chair? Huh? Can you get. <laughs> matter, huh? The body depends upon consciousness, on love. I love the body because the body's born of love. I love the what? I love the mind and the emotions because they're born of love. I love my mind because it's born out of love, out of me. I don't love it for its own sake. I love it because it's born out of me. It's my child, my children. It's not separate from me. But uh, but my body and mind and myself, what? My existence are what? Am I them? Hmm? They may be me, they may be born out of me, but uh, am I my body and mind and myself? My, my body and my mind and my emotions, am I? No. I'm free of them, but they're not free of me. (laughs) Isn't it? They depend upon me. They're born out of me. They depend upon me, but what? But I don't depend upon them at all. I'm free of them always, aren't I? If the body and mind and and my emotions are in duality, and I'm not in duality, in other words, I'm the non-dual consciousness, existence, love, if I'm sat, chit, ananda, atman, Atman means my essence. If my essence is Sat ananda then I don't have a problem with uh, my emotions and my feelings and, 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 and my body, do I? Because I don't depend upon them for my happiness. Happiness happens to be my nature. It's not a happening that comes when what? When I get an object that's conducive to my likes or dislikes, is it? I can see we're getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> huh? We'll take I would take this up in the morning. It, it's it's warm in here, and this it's late, and this is a very you know. A little complicated or difficult uh, topic to understand. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to explore this issue. And, uh, and the text is called the Narada Bhakti Sutras. And uh, it's the sutras on divine love. Sutras means verses trains of thought, The sutras of train or a thread of thought, like a thread on the internet is, is a train of thought so these are Nardas. and Narada was a great sage who, who had a non-dual guru and so he examines non-dual love and dualistic love together now we want to help you to what? develop a discrimination between what? between non-dual love and dual love If you know that you're, uh, if you know what non-dual love is, you can love an object, you can love a person, you can love dually if you want, because there's no contradiction. But if you only love an object without knowing that what that what's what's common to both, in other words, knowing that the object that you love is actually yourself, then you're going to have problems. So we're going to try to solve or at least help you investigate this problem in the next few days.